So 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. Let us hear God's word. And I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I was with you in weakness and fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. This is the Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for your goodness this morning. We thank you that we have heard all about your love and all about that goodness. That you are a good, good father. And that it's a reckless love that you have for us. Now let us continue to hear your message, God, through your word. May it challenge us. May it change us. And may we never get over it. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we are in our Back to Church series, and we are thinking about that uh, as we talk about coming back to church and what that means. And some of you may have been at church the whole time, but still, I think there's always a call from God that is calling us to come back to Him in whatever way we need to do. And so what better time during this back to school type season, and we pray that everybody's had a good, good um, uh, first week uh, of school and all, but what better time to talk about coming back to church and back to who God is calling us to be. And so as we think about that, last week we talked about coming back to church means coming back to life. And, and that, that, that the life that Jesus gives us is abundant life. That it's life that is uh, over. It's life that's a higher plane of living. And he said, the thief comes but to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that you may have life and and have it more abundantly. And that last life with uh, courage over fear, with hope over despair, and of resurrection over death. And so this week, I want us to think about coming back as we're thinking about going back to school. You know, a lot of it's going back to the drawing board, kind of going back to the basics. And usually the beginning of school, you do a review. And so that's kind of what we're doing this morning, coming back to the drawing board, not to rewrite the plan, but to see what God's plan was. And I believe if there's anything that, that really just gets down to the real basics of the gospel, it is the message of Jesus Christ. Christ and him crucified. Now look at this uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2 uh, verse 2. Now Paul's writing and he's writing to the Corinthians and he says listen when I first came to you I didn't have a lot of wisdom. I didn't come with persuasive words. All I knew was to tell you about Jesus Christ and him crucified. Look at verse 2. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. It doesn't mean we should uh, 
that we should minimize any of the other parts. The resurrection is equally as, as important and, and the power of the Holy Spirit, all those things. But it all really gets down and, and the, the culmination of what Christ came to do for us is in the cross of Jesus Christ. And so I want us just to kind of get back to the basics, back to the drawing board this morning for a few minutes and see why the message of the gospel comes down to this very message itself. And so I'm going to do that in two ways. First of all, we're going to talk about what brought us to Christ and Him crucified, and then what resulted from Christ and Him crucified. And so let's start with that. What brought us to Christ, Jesus Christ, and Him crucified? Number one is this. We were created in God's image. That's how it began. We were, we, it all started, we were created in God's image. Uh, you know, God... Uh, created the heavens and the earth and, and the birds of the air and the fish of the sea and, and all of that. And, and God looked at his creation and he said that it was good. But God wasn't done. Now here's what we need to understand. God did not have to create us. God did not need to create us. God had the fullness of completeness in his relationship within the Trinity. Father, Son, Holy Spirit was the fullness of God. God had all that God needed in that. So it's not like, oh, God was missing something. So guess what? He got me and all. No, it's not quite. I know we would love to think that, but it's not quite that. But God wanted us. He wanted a family. And so God created humanity and he created us in his image. Genesis 1:27 says so God created man, humankind in his own image and in the image of God he created him male and female he created them. God wanted a family, he created us in God's image and so we can know that. Listen, I know that sometimes we don't feel like the image of God as Carson was saying, we look in the mirror and we don't see the image of God, but what I want you to know that as some people used to say about uh, a son or a daughter of their parent, they would say, well, they're just a chip off the old block. Guess what, folks? We are a chip off the God block. Amen? And the next time anybody makes you feel otherwise, you just tell them, I'm a chip off the God block. In fact, tell your neighbor this morning, I'm a chip off the God block this morning. Amen? We are created in the image of of God. Look at what the psalmist said about this. Psalm 139 verse 14 says, I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works and that my soul knows very well. In other words, God did a good job on you. God didn't mess up on you. God did what God had created, had intended to do and created us in God's image. But now if it stopped right there, it would be perfect. Adam and Eve in the garden, they were in perfect communion with God. All of that was awesome. But it didn't stop right there. In fact, number two is this. Yes, we were created in God's image, but that image was broken because of sin. See, I'm just getting back to the basics with you today. If you came for some high lofty theological thing, you came for the wrong reason today. Or you're not going to get that today. I'm just getting back down and dirty to the basics. We're created in the image of God, that image was broken because of sin. See, here's the thing. God gave us free will. Because here's if God, if God wanted to create us to love Him, we, He could have created and made us all robots and we would just have to love them. But how many of y'all here wants your spouse to love you just because they have to love you? 
How many of you here want your kids to love you just because they have to love you? No. That you want them to choose to love you. And so God gave us free will where we had the choice of whether we or not we could love him or whether or not we would not love him. And it's awesome to have free choice because we can choose to love him, but also with free will, we may choose not to love him. We may choose not to be who God's called us to be. We may choose not to do what God's called us to do. And in fact, every one of us, somewhere along the way, we have chosen wrong. We've messed it up somewhere. We've marred that image. We've broken that image. We've blurred that image in one way or another. And because of that, we've fallen from the glory of God. Romans 3 verse 23 says this, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Every one of us at times make it about us. Amen? I mean, really. You know, I think if, the, if, if we could just take one step in our lives of trying to make sure that we don't think that the whole world revolves around us, we would have a lot more peace. We really would. You just think about it. When we think the world revolves around us, then we want more people to like us because it revolves around us. We work harder to make people like us. Amen? We, hey, listen. It, it would be a lot more peaceful in your car in traffic if you didn't think the whole world revolved around you and meant that you had to get where you wanted to go when you wanted to get there. College Road would be a lot more peaceful. Amen? There'd be less road rage in our own hearts if we didn't think, oh, everybody else here is trying to keep me from getting where I need to get. We, we would, we, I mean, think, and, and we all do it sometimes. We all do it sometimes. Hey, yesterday I was on the water and I got attacked. I got attacked by something. And, and it left some little bite marks in my finger. Now, it wasn't a shark, we don't think. In fact, one little girl said, I think it was a little fish. But anyway, uh, I was like, thank you, thank you, thank you. But uh, actually, I think it might have been a little crab or something. But, but the thing is, is that, see, I could have made it all about me. And, and it would have been all about me, you know, being, you know, and, and folks that were around. I may have done that a little bit. But here's the thing. <laughs> That's what sin does to us. We want to make everything all about us. And so, we are created in God's image, and that image is broken because of sin. And that brings us to number three. So, God sent Jesus, and he was crucified. The God of the universe who created us, even though we have rejected him, and sometimes even worked against him, decided to put on flesh and blood and become one of us and step into our story. He stepped into your story. John 1.14 says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. He came to heal, He came to talk, but He came to die for you and for me. For each and every one of us. And, and, and that's why, if you want the gospel in a nutshell, a great verse to just let God write on your heart is this next verse. And I know it seems like this, oh, this is always the verse that people say or whatever. Well, this is a good one. Let me just tell you. In fact, let's say it together. Ready? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Folks, Christ came 
And he died for you and for me. To restore us to the image that God created us to be. So what, that's what brought us to Jesus Christ and him crucified. What resulted from Jesus Christ and him crucified? Number one is this. Our sins are forgiven and our relationship with God is restored. Where sin broke our relationship with God, the cross restored our relationship with God. The ultimate sacrifice was made. The sacrifice uh, that, that came and, and, you know, before that, they would have to offer a blood sacrifice for the forgiveness of their sins and they would have to offer it every so often. And then, uh, I think it was once a year, the priest would go into the temple and, and would make the ultimate sacrifice there, but it would be a blood sacrifice. But never again would that sacrifice need to be made because the ultimate one was made in Jesus Christ for us. And our position was changed in that. It was changed from a position of guilt and of shame and of judgment to a position of mercy and peace and grace. I, I, I remember hearing this one story of this little girl and she wore this golden shiny cross every Sunday to church. And she would wear it around other places too. Well, the preacher one time saw her with it on and said, you know that the cross that Jesus died upon was not a shiny gold cross. It was an old rugged wooden cross. And she looked right at him and said, well, my teacher in Sunday school tells me that everything that Jesus touched changed. Yeah. Folks, Jesus can change us because on that cross that day he touched every one of our lives through the shed blood and it can change us and our life that is rugged our life that is marred our life that has blurred our image is restored through the shed blood and changed by the shed blood of Jesus Christ to be perfect and righteous in the eyes of God through his son Jesus. And number two is this. The second result is that we are commissioned to be transformed and to transform the world through the power of the Holy Spirit. See, it is so easy for us to think, again, that salvation is all about us. Oh, he died for me, so it ends with me. No. He died for us so that we would be changed and that so we would reach out so that he can change somebody else through us. It does not end with what happens at an altar whenever we give our life to Christ or wherever you were whenever you gave your life to Christ. It does not end there. Let me tell you something. When I was, I was about 12, 13 years old, can't even remember exactly how old I was. I just remember when it was and whenever I knelt beside my bed or I was in my bed somewhere, I just remember it was one night that I gave my life to Christ right there in my bedroom at home. It did not end that day. It just began. And that's the truth for every one of us here this morning. Is that we are saved to go out and to spread that word to others. I love what 2 Corinthians 5.19 talks about. That we're reconciled but now we are to go out and spread that word of reconciliation to others. Look at what it says there. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. In other words, 
God has not given up on this world. He didn't give up on us. He hasn't given up on this world, and we don't need to either. We are called to go out and tell of the transforming power of the gospel. Now, here's a temptation for us to fall into one of these two groups. Two groups that it's tempting for us to fall into. The first is this. We do not want to fall into these two groups. The first is this. is to sit back till Jesus comes crowd. Now, that, that's the crowd that says, okay, I got my ticket punch for heaven. I'm good to go. I know that I'm going one day whenever I die or whenever that time comes. And so I'm just going to sit back and wait till Jesus comes. Folks, that is not the message of the gospel. Yes, we can be assured that we're going to heaven, but you know what? We are to take that message now and share it with somebody else. Amen? Amen. It was never intended for us to just have. I, I remember hearing this one preacher, uh, was and, and he was preaching to a packed church. They were a new plant, and they had been growing and everything. He was the founding pastor. They invited him to come back after years of being away. And sometimes, you know, you can kind of say things that, other past, that the current pastor can't say. And, and, and it was a packed church, and he said, listen, he said, God intended for you to all be missionaries to whatever part, whatever uh, sphere of influence you have. And if you're sitting here and you're not, and you're just sitting there enjoying your salvation and not going and telling others and not uh, doing things for the gospel and everything like that, he said, we need your seat. I was like, whoa, man. Y'all notice I'm telling it as somebody else telling it, amen? Uh, <laughs> but honestly... He said, we're never, we, it was never intended for us to just sit back and wait till Jesus comes. We are called to go and work. But here's the other group that we can fall into. And that's the working like our salvation counts on us crowd. Because we are not saved by works. We're saved by grace. And I've seen some people, even after they're saved, still try to somehow earn God's love. And there's nothing we can do to earn God's love. It is a gift of grace that he has promised and given to each and, one of, each and every one of us. I, I love that story of a guy by the name of Stuart Hamblin. Uh, Stuart was a comedian years ago. He was a comedian and, and a radio show host and um, before kind of TV really got into it big time and all and and he had programs on television. Well, there was a revival. Now, he loved to drink, and he loved to party, and he really loved to run around with women. I mean, he would tell you that. Well, one night, he decided there was this big revival in town with this big-name evangelist, and, and he decided to go out to the revival that night. It was a tent revival. He decided to go out to the revival that night because, you see, he, he knew that um, he, could get, he, he could get some good material for his comedy show. If he went out to the revival. And he said that he went out there that night and the preacher began to preach and said, I believe there's, I believe there's somebody in the audience tonight and you know good and well that you're a big fake. You act like you have it all together, but you're crumbling inside. And he said he was standing there in the audience and he said, that preacher was speaking right to me. 
And he said that he went home and he decided to get into the bottle because he was just really struggling with what had been said. And he said he got home and he got into the bottle and about 2 a.m. he decided, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to the hotel where that evangelist is at. Now, back then, I reckon that's what you did is you go to the hotel. Nowadays, people get, it, get a little bit, you know, uh, tipsy or whatever, and they start doing Facebook posts that they have to erase the next morning. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Amen? Somebody seen that? Or you get them wild texts. Oh, they're drunk texting. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, but, uh, but, 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 uh, but he, 2 a.m., he went to the hotel, knocked on the hotel door, I mean, on the, uh, on the room of the evangelist, the evangelist came to the door. Stuart Hamlin was just crying and said, Preacher, you need to pray for me. And the preacher said, No, you need to get on your knees. This is between you and God right here, and you need to get right with God. And that's exactly what he did. He got on his knees that night, and he gave his life to Christ. That next day, he began to live a different way. He ended up losing his radio show because he refused to do certain things or refused to sponsor certain ads and that kind of thing. But he started, he continued as a songwriter and wrote some gospel songs like This Old House. Well, one day he was walking with a friend of his named John and they were walking along and John said, well, Stuart, have you regretted your decision to follow Jesus? And Stuart said, no, I haven't regretted it. He said, man... There is no secret what God can do. And he said, you know what, John? If, if he did it for me, he can do it for you. And John said, that sounds like a good song. Stuart Hamlin went on to write that old gospel song, It Is No Secret What God Can Do. His friend named John was John Wayne. And that preacher that led him to Christ was the late Dr. Reverend, I mean, Reverend Dr. Billy Graham. Stuart Hamlin touched a many lives through the songs that he wrote after that night that he was faced with the fact that he was a broken image and that Christ died for him. Folks, let's get back to the drawing board and what better time than Holy Communion where we are reminded of what God's done for us, what Jesus did for us in the broken bread and the shed blood and that we are now called to go and tell to everyone in the world. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you, God, for your goodness, for your love, and for how you want to change our life so that we can be a part of changing the life of others. Lord, you leave the 99, and you left the 99, and you went after us. Now, Lord, we're called to leave the 99 and go after others to let them know of your love for them. Lord, maybe there's somebody in this house this morning that simply needs to remember and get back to the drawing board and renew their commitment to you, Lord. Maybe there's somebody that simply has never taken a step in faith, Lord, and this morning can be the morning to take that step and to say yes to you and invite you into their heart for the forgiveness of their sins. Lord, I pray right now that's anyone here as they come to communion this morning, Lord, let them know your full grace and your full mercy in every way. In Jesus' name.
Amen.